row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. It is time right now for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program today is brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By V's Flowers and Garden Shop, Mainstream Waitsfield. By Broughton's Big Country Hardware, your authorized Cub Cadet dealer in Bridport. By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, locally grown just for you. Main Street in Colchester with many great sale items this week. Also by your locally owned Montpelier Agway, right there on the East Montpelier Road. By Thomas Farm and Garden on the Barry Montpelier Road. Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By P&R Lumber, a family-owned lumber mill with lumber, mulch, and compost, Route 15 in Wolcott. By the Willie's Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. Telephone lines are open, 802-244-1777 for your garden comments and garden questions. And here is the host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. Hello, how are you? Oops, did we do the telephone, the microphone thing again? Bring bring the other one over. This is a regular Saturday noon hour ritual. Can you hear me now? Now we can, by <laughs> Inch golly. by inch, row by row. row. Yeah. <laughs> well, garden friends, um, we are staring in the face of the end of the frost-free garden season, and uh, but certainly not the end of the gardening season. There's still lots to do, lots to grow, lots to harvest, and uh, so I would say, well, what do we got? A couple of weeks, maybe. We might have a frost here fairly soon, and then we'll probably get a few more weeks or maybe even a few more months of frost-free. You never know. Um, uh, so the, the, the great part of all this is there's so many things that, that will gladly grow right through October and November uh, without the least bit of problems. So we um, still have lots of gardening to do. In the meantime, let's see, let's see, gardening things to do in terms of, well, harvest, right? We, um, once the frost comes, there's still kale to harvest, and, and we always harvest our Brussels sprouts uh, on Thanksgiving Day. And, uh, to, to have with our Thanksgiving Day feast. And we did learn one year, of course, is that the deer really like to have Brussels sprouts for Thanksgiving too. But, um, we were willing to share and, and that was okay. So there's lots of things to harvest yet, um, for at least until Thanksgiving. And then, uh, right now, uh, you can continue to plant, oh, you know, the usual radishes and lettuces and all that stuff. But 
um, in the, sometime in October, plant all that spinach that's left over in your seed packet and uh, let it stay dormant until spring, and you'll have uh, some of the best uh, spinach. And I know everybody's heard me say that before, but it is well worth doing. So we have old potatoes and onions, and we got carrots and beets all in the cold cellar. We got uh, beans frozen. We got some beans in, made into dilly, dilly beans, you know, the canned dilly beans. Tomatoes we froze, and we'll probably make... Uh, uh, we'll make sauces out of them later when uh, when we have more time. And the cool thing about freezing your tomatoes is that as they thaw out, you just slip that little skin right off. And and uh, the uh, our uh, my friend uh, at at work, uh, Lucy, said to me, um, uh, I think it was Thursday. She said, "You know, by God, that worked." I was, <laughs> and she said, "I took my tomatoes out of the freezer, and the skin just slipped off like nothing." And uh, she was comparing that to her days of uh, parboiling and skinning and peeling and all the rest. So, yeah, I've, I've discovered. I years ago I bought one of those magic bullet mm-hmm, things, yep. and uh, I, uh, I started just I somehow just got into the, the urge to do so. I put. Uh, and I like frozen things. I mean, I chew mm-hmm. on, I'm one of the people that chew on ice cubes. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, I, I, for making not really a smoothie because it's mm-hmm. a roughie. I let I don't I, I don't I don't puree it to to the point. But I I put, uh, I oh, put frozen great. strawberries and frozen blueberries uh-huh. in the thing, and then fill uh-huh. fill it up with orange juice, and uh-huh. then make a, a you know a drink. You can almost sure. spoon it in. You spoon know? it in. Yeah. yeah, it's a roughie. Yeah. Anyway, you're mentioning the frozen tomatoes. I did that. Uh-huh. And a little bit of salt, some uh-huh. pepper, uh-huh. and then your fresh basil or any of the other spices. What a great tomato juice, you know? Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Well, what a great idea. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, I mean, you can, let, you can let it warm up a little bit. Yeah, sure. But I, I yeah. drink it as like a frozen uh, tomato. Now to- I wish I had more uh, tomatoes. Tomato you know? V8, right? right. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, exactly. It's almost like, uh, and if I, well, if well, I the- see a little pepper, I might throw it in, in. Don't throw the ultra pepper one in. Uh, no, I, no, no. Made my eyes water. Yeah. It, and it always amazes me. There's always something to learn. That is such a great idea. I like that. Yeah. And I, I was that you have the frozen tomatoes. You yeah. Know? I mean, I yeah, imagine yeah. you can just make regular tomato juice, but <laughs> for some reason, it just worked like a like a charm. Well, I I was telling a, a friend of mine uh, that uh, he had uh, he had converted from drinking soda and uh, to drinking just plain soda. You know, canned soda, sparkling water. water, And I said, well, if you want a a change from that, you just load up your glass with uh, frozen, uh, you know, frozen, uh, well, strawberries and blueberries. And then we get some this really good canned uh, 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 mango Uh and just put it all in there and put your your uh, um, soda water right on that, and that acts as ice, you know, mm-hmm. and that's really, really delicious. And it's a simple way to get a little fruit for dessert by the end of the, by the end of it. So, and and the supermarkets have frozen mango squares, you know, oh. that, that work oh. as well. Yeah, yeah. I use, yeah. I use mango. I use instead of orange juice, I use mango juice sometimes. Oh. In there. <laughs> At any rate, uh, so many sounds things, delicious. So many to me. things you can do. I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to freeze yeah. a lot more tomatoes, you know. Oh yeah. Well, we're making uh, sauerkraut and kimchi with our cabbage and all of these things are um you know following that theme as garden as grocery store so there's a lot of things that 
we are storing. You know, the supermarket really is a store, and it's a place where they store food, right? Some some is cold stored the, for the fruit, fresh, but lots of it's canned and boxed, and you know, uh, it's still a store. And it's nice to have your garden as your store. So we have lots of these things, uh, you know, in the, the freezer, in the cold cellar, some of them dried in jars, some of them canned in, uh, in jars. And all of these things are, are to, um, you know, to uh, get us through the season, you know, from, from one year to the next. And that's, that's the mission. We don't always make it, but that's all right. And uh, uh, so this time of year, right, is when I start my supplementing my fresh greens with my um, indoor salads, indoor salad. And and for those of you who have not seen my book or aren't familiar with it, it's called Year Round Indoor Salad Gardening by Peter Burke, and it's published by um, uh, Chelsea Green, uh, uh, Vermont's own Chelsea Green, and. Um, what uh, I go over in that book is is very simply is how to grow uh, your own um, salad greens, and I like to make this uh, sort of a visual um, a visual picture uh, description uh, in a space that's 20 inches wide and six feet tall, and with one window, and it doesn't have to be south facing window. You can grow uh, a pound of greens every day and have a fresh salad every day, and you don't need any. Uh, it's very low tech. You don't need any lights. You don't need any pumps. No, no recirculating anything. It's just seeds and soil, and it's a very, very simple thing to do. And if you get a chance, uh, check out that book, Year Round Indoor Salad Gardening, and and most of the the libraries around have it, so it's not something you have to buy. If you look at it and you decide you want to buy it, well. That's a little tougher, only in that, of course, you can get it from Amazon and and uh, online, and you can get it right directly from the Chelsea Green website. They actually sell the books there, and, and a lot of times they have the, the best price of, of the whole bunch. But I always like to say, you know, give a call to your local bookstore first, you know, Bear Pond in Montpelier and Phoenix over in Burlington and... And Brookside here in Waterbury, all of them have carried the book at different times. And um, if uh, if that's the way you like to get your books, is to call them up and say, hey, can you order this for me? Um, I support that 100%. They're, these booksellers are, are great. And I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a library or to a bookstore and found just exactly the book I was hoping to find. And uh, I just absolutely... Um, uh, I love those those uh, stores and and the library f- for a great book. I guess in my intro I did forget to mention that this is the last show for the season. Um, uh, we will see you back around in April again, mm-hmm. and uh, so we're going to take a little time off. And I guess I, what I was trying to emphasize, well, it may be the last show, it's certainly not the end of gardening for the season. Exactly. <laughs> and um, so the uh, the part um, that I want to focus on is uh, about the bed preparation. It's real important to make sure you... Uh, pull up all the stems, uh, you know, whether it's broccoli or cabbage or, 
whether it's tomatoes or beans or whatever that, you know, whatever it is that you've been growing, pull it all up out of the soil, knock the dirt off them, and uh, chop them up, put them in the compost bin. And uh, some people will recommend not putting any of broccoli roots in a compost bin, and I, I certainly understand that if you have a spot over the over the bank where you can put that kind of stuff, or some people wouldn't go so far as to put them in the trash to go into the the landfill, um, only because a lot there are certain nematodes and certainly uh, the um, the cap, the the root maggot and a few things like that 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 live on those roots. Um, I have actually uh, never gone to that trouble. I just chop them up and put them in the compost bin, and then deal with stuff on the other end and. Um, but this, it is time to make sure you pull all those stems up, whether old potato uh, stems or bean stems or carrots or all those things, and you make a, a great um, you make a great compost bin and clean up. Uh, I'll continue this on the other side. We have a call and Nola. Hey, Nola. Hey, I. Heard yesterday on the radio that today's show was the last show, and I thought, mm-hmm. "Oh no, that's <laughs> terrible! That's terrible!" What about all the Robert Frost poems? We've got October, we've got November. Those are all great poems. But um, I know all good things must come to end. So, just a couple little tidbits for mm-hmm. folks out there, mm-hmm. and then if you'd like a Robert Frost poem, I haven't memorized it yet. I sure. jumped into it yesterday, and. It'll either make you laugh or make you cry. <laughs> but um, a new arugula that I tried this year, which it's not too late to keep growing, is called Belizea. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thin leaves, thin sort of, not serrated, but well, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I've been starting them in pots, little pots, and because the seed's expensive, so why waste any seed? Yeah, sure. And growing them out for a couple inches, two, three inches tall, and then sticking them in the ground. Hmm. Or grow them in a pot and eat them right from the pot. Sure, yeah. But but it's a beautiful variety of arugula. And so I just thought people might like to get some started. It sounds great. Belizea, where do you get them? Johnny's. Oh, from Johnny's. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll have to take a look. And the other sort of silly thought, and you can say that's foolish, was I was leafing through the seed catalog last night because what else would you do on a cold September night? <laughs> and I was noticing their cherry tomatoes mm-hmm. and thinking, 60 days, 60 days, <laughs> throw in 15 more because it's the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Would that be crazy to try to start some, you know, keep them in the house, not outside, mm-hmm. and have tomato, cherry tomatoes for Christmas? Well, uh, my son Jake actually, uh, tried that and, uh, we did get a few cherry tomatoes. It was kind of fun because it grew up over the window sills and across the, the room. And, uh, yeah, there, there's no reason you can't do that with that kind of special care. Uh, yeah, really. Just keep on growing. Now, the, just check the Belizea is also available at high mowing. They do have the Good. seeds. Um, it doesn't say out of stock, so they, they might still have it. And it's, uh, it's quite a variegated leaf. It's, uh, yes. Yeah. It, it doesn't, I mean, if you just know arugula as arugula, you'd look mm. at this and say, is mm-hmm. it a weed? <laughs> 
but it's it's good. Fact is, it is a weed. It's just one that we could enjoy eating. That's all. Okay. We'll buy that. I'll take that. We probably eat more weeds than not. We would they're, hope. They're good weeds. <laughs> Indeed. So this so, is um, what do I do with the Robert Frost poems? I find one I like, and then I just go after it until I've memorized it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't gotten to know this one very well, but see what you think. Mm-hmm. And this was written in, I believe, 1949, just to give you a sense as the poem goes on. It's not that long. It's called Bursting Rapture. Okay. I went to the physician to complain. The time had been when anyone could turn to farming for a simple way to earn. But now twas there as elsewhere, and he gained was made by getting science on the brain. There was so much more every day to learn. The discipline of farming was so stern. It seemed as if I couldn't stand the strain. But the physician's answer was, There, there, what you complain of, all the nations share. Their effort is a mounting ecstasy that when it gets too exquisite to bear, will find relief in one burst. You shall see. That's what a certain bomb was sent to be. Mm. Yikes. Mm. Mm. So let's stick to farming. Yeah, yeah. Let's have a a, a, a different kind of burst bombing. Yes. Burst. And, and that would be the, yes, the, the bombing of greens all over the place. The burst of beautiful greens. I like that. That's good. <laughs> so thank you both of you. Um, and that, that's one of the, the great pleasures for me is, uh, is doing that, uh, the growing greens all winter long. And some of them I do that, uh, hungvit radish, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a bright red stem. Oh my gosh, it's so bright red. And uh, and then the greens of the peas and the sunflower and you know these things I'm I'm planting on on Sunday and the next Monday we're cutting them for salad so it's a very very quick turnaround quicker than even microgreens and you don't even need any any lights or anything so that's the burst of green I'd like to see myself. That's a far better burst than the poem. <laughs> so thank, thank you, you for the poem. No, and be that. well and just so yes. you know yeah. everybody out there if we're going to be putting up. New plastic on the greenhouse, despite the fact that the stuff that's on it is new, but falling apart very rapidly. Yeah, yeah. So first week well, in October, what, come to Ripton. Uh, and so, are you? Um, are you? Will you be gardening in that greenhouse over the winter? I'm going to push it as far as I can without uh-huh. being environmentally foolish. Uh, okay. In other words, I don't want to put a lot of money into propane. Yeah, so by November you're probably, uh, by January you're probably finished then. Probably yeah. slow down for a couple months. Yeah, and then get yeah. That, that's the way, uh, uh, Elliot uh, Coleman did it, is he, he went yeah. through uh, December and then, yeah. Well, the incentive here has nothing to do with anything but the fact that what's on it right now I think a fleck of snow will cause it to collapse. <laughs> it's much just, more practical than all yes, that. <laughs> so well, well some, you have a good know. winter season, Nolan. Thanks so much for all of your poems, just not they're just Roberts, today. They're not mine. Well, uh, the way you own them, but that's well. fine. All right, you guys be well. Yep. Yep. Keep on, yep. keep on keeping those gardens growing. You bet. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. you. Thank you so much. And uh, we do have Don in Elmore next on the line. 
Good afternoon, fellas. First hey, Don. I'm sorry to see the end of another season mm-hmm. with you, and mm-hmm. I hope next year we can perhaps get the season a little bit longer with both of you. <laughs> but uh, I know you're big on composting. Yep. And I've always, oh, I guess just had a personal uh, dislike of trying to put a lot of stocks in a compost pile mm-hmm. yep. and therefore went to a shredder. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm perfect. wondering what you think of shredding things Absolutely and rotating them back in as opposed to composting them. For one thing, I think they decay an awful lot faster. The, that is the residue, leaves and stalks, uh-huh. if you if you run them through a shredder and then rototill it back in in the fall and, and leave it that way. And I can tell you one thing, if you plant Roma tomatoes mm-hmm. and you do that with them, Absolutely. you will never have to buy another tomato plant. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Don, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's a, it's a great approach. And uh, I, uh, I, since I use so many of my beds uh, over winter, you know, because I plant my the garlic and the uh, and certainly ton, lots and lots of spinach and uh, some other things. And I can't, I don't have that luxury of, of working that into the soil. I kind of have to, to leave it. it. I do use a, a straw mulch, and, and if you're shredding that stuff, there's no reason you couldn't use it as a mulch. Um, if it's a little bit fresh, though, it probably would interfere with the seed growth. So um, it might not work on those beds that you're planting. But every other bread, absolutely. Uh, you know what? The other thing that we do is we'll put a compost bin right on top of a garden bed because the beds are four by four and most of the compost bins are slightly smaller than that. Yeah. So we'll take one of the beds right out of production for a whole season and just uh, fill that up and let it you know, sit right there. And I can't think of any better way to, to feed the soil compost tea than to, to build the compost pile right on top of it. <laughs> But no, I, I, I like that a lot. As a matter of fact, even if you're doing a compost bin, shredding is absolutely terrific. And I think in, uh, Ed's, uh, the Bible, uh, Ed Smith's book, um, The Gardener's Bible, he actually, uh, there's a picture of him there with a machete chopping stuff off on a, on a, a wood stump. And that is probably not as thorough, certainly, as the shredder would be. If you can afford a f- shredder, that's terrific. I'm, I'm 100% for it. Yeah, that's one thing I hadn't thought of before is actually just uh, shredding it and then adding it to the, uh, to a mulch bin at that point. Mm-hmm. That, too, I would think would break it down enough so it would uh, turn a, not a yep. mulch bin, but a compost bin. I would think that would speed that process up there as well. well. With compost, Let me be sure I understand you. Yeah. With your garlic and and things like that, did I misunderstand you? Are you actually trying to plant that, or not trying to? But are you planting it in the fall and letting it let the seeds was whatever winter over in the oh, ground? Oh yeah, so it absolutely. Start? Absolutely. Best and, way. And you're successful with that. Then. Uh, best way to grow garlic there is, and uh, you plant it in after, so that it doesn't actually sprout. So I usually do it towards the end of October. Uh, you know, between uh, October 15th and November 1st, sort of depending on how the weather is, because uh, I'll plant it down, you know, I push it all the way down, so it's a good three three or so inches down into the soil. And, uh, uh, and then even you can cover it with straw if you want, because uh, the spears will come up through the straw, uh, but uh-huh. I don't always do that. So that's done, you know, in the fall. And it, 
And is it safe after a first frost? Oh, a sure. White frost? Yep. Yeah, wow. absolutely. Um, and then I do uh, spinach the same way. I'll plant uh, uh, just lots and lots of spinach, as many beds as I feel as I can free up, because um, spinach is one of the easiest things to freeze up and put and put away. So you're starting, you know, your your garden grocery store right off in April as those things push up through the snow and and uh, give you a first harvest in the in the spring. Also seems to be one of the most uh, tolerable or tolerant plants that uh, that we can grow in this area. Uh, of the cold weather, for sure. I give it a little hot yeah. weather and it bolts like crazy. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's tolerant. The other thing I, I tried when I didn't have a, a larger piece of land mm-hmm. uh, was intercropping. Now, mm-hmm. corn, I used to plant corn two feet wide, mm-hmm. and I had the spinach right down between it. Oh, sure, yeah. And yeah. by the time the corn was up to the point, that uh, it was shading the spinach. The spinach was already, it was already done. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. That's yeah. a that's a great way to go. I like that a lot. Yeah. Thank you both very much. Uh, it's been a good season. And oh, like it's I a say, pleasure. We can find a little bit more sponsorship and make it longer next season. <laughs> that sounds good to me. But at least we'll see you next April. Right. <laughs> All right. Have a good winter and thanks again. So I got a, a, a letter in the mail uh, from Mary in Groton, Vermont. Mary F., I'll say. And uh, she wrote a, a very nice description of the way that they grow their um, their pole beans. And uh, it's, it's terrific. It really is good. Now, um, uh, the way that I grow my pole beans is I have a, a trellis, and it's almost eight feet tall. And quite frankly, it's not really tall enough for the pole beans. They'll grow well beyond eight feet. And so what she was doing is she had these, uh, she and her husband, they made, it was actually seven feet tall in the middle. It was like a tunnel in a way. And uh, they they made uh, two rows about, uh, well, almost five feet apart. And they had these hoops and it looks like they used uh, string to make, um, you know, to make uh, a grid for them to grow up on. So they, they, uh, so anyway, the, the, the beans grew up one side and down across and over and under. And all she had to do was walk in the middle of that and pick the beans that were hanging down from the, uh, from the trellis up above. And I think, what a great idea. It's, um, Matter of fact, uh, I think I'll use that. I'll make a, a a second trellis in the front of the bed, so that the beans can grow up one side and down the other. <laughs> and uh, uh, I won't get the advantage of the the beans hanging uh, down uh, the way that uh, they have. But um, she said that her husband made this for her every year and. Uh, they used uh, wood whips from cut uh, out in the woods, and I thought, well, that is clever for sure. It's almost like a wattle fence in a way. And uh, they would say uh, people would come by uh, when my husband was building the structure and inquired what he was doing. He told them he was building a wedding arch so people could get married in the rustic garden. None did, she said. <laughs> Mary, thank you very much for that. I really enjoy it, and, and it's a great idea. I like that quite a bit. That that should work very well. And, 
Um, uh, do you have a phone call? Yeah, we have uh, Kevin from North Faceton on the hey, line. Hey, Kevin from North Faceton, how are you, sir? Good, and yourself? Good. Uh, some quick question on potatoes. I sure. got some that have a little bit of green on them. Oh yeah. Okay to eat those? Well, I I peel the green off. I I actually cut it. I usually get a, a few that pop up above, and um, I think I had oh, maybe maybe a ten or so out of the batch. Yeah. Um, and and uh, no, you you're not supposed to eat the green potato. Um, uh, but if it's just one side, it usually is just the one side that's up. And right. so I just take my paring knife and cut that off until I don't see any more green, and then I use it. Matter of fact, I just made mashed potatoes uh, uh, night before last, and oh, my good. wife made mashed potato pancakes this morning with it huh? <laughs> for right. my grandsons and herself. <laughs> nice one. I was just want to make sure it's okay to eat them. Yeah, yeah, it's it's okay to eat the potato, just not the green part. Just cut that green part. And if it's green solid all the way through, then yeah, I would just compost that. Do you have a lot? Which kind of potatoes do you grow? Uh, I'm not even sure. There were some that we had left over in the basement. They started to sprout. They Are they white or red? They're white. Yeah. Uh, we we did some uh, katadins this year, and they were they were big. I mean, they were like yep. six inches across. They were just absolute yep. beauties. Yep. And then uh, we did the um, the golden rose, golden golden rose. Uh, they're uh, an early potato, so there was lots and lots of little red potatoes. I mean, they were that was great, and uh, they were early. And I put those in our air fryer, and our uh, my grandsons just absolutely loved those. And, sure, yeah. delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great, great way. I don't know if you've ever used an air fryer, but boy, that's a great way to do potatoes with a, a no. very little no. oil. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. Uh, yeah. So don't eat the green. Just eat the <laughs> potato. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. We really enjoy your program. Oh, I'm glad. Thank you. Thanks uh, for calling in, Kevin. Thank you much. Uh, we have uh, Marsha in Barry giving us a call. Hey, Marsha. Hi there, Peter and Joel. Hi, thanks oh. very much for taking my call. It's our pleasure. I'm just calling to let you know what happened to the popcorn. Okay, how'd you make out? It didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't, didn't get it. It didn't get beyond the tasseling. Oh, and, boy. And I think I, I think I know why. Okay. I think... I think number one, I planted too late. Uh huh. And, you know, we got through the terribly hot spell and then it got very cold. Mm hmm. Really, you know, changing the weather. Mm-hmm. Number, number two, I think because I plant, planted late, I thought I was in a, a, a good spot to get a lot of sun, but because the season went on, <laughs> Later, the sun wasn't high, high, high enough, so there uh-huh. wasn't enough sun. Yeah, yeah. And then the third thing, I I'm not sure if they um, if there weren't en- if there were enough plants to fertilize. Oh yeah, they do need a block of uh, several rows to to uh, fertilize, and they they sort of need to be stacked up in a row so that because the, they're fertilized with the wind, and they don't right. you know. It doesn't well, drop I, down. But. Well, I well I had about eight plants, mm-hmm. and do you think I probably need more than 
Well, I'd say it's possible. The only other option you have is to get out there and, you know, whack them with a, a newspaper when the tassels come up and, you know, and make sure you, you get them to fertilize each other, you know. And oh, that's, that, right. that's one thing uh, that the, I, <laughs> I saw it on a, a video. They say, you know, beat your pota- tomatoes, you know, to, for better production. And the guy gets out with a, with a newspaper and waxes tomato plants and the same uh, the same principle is is that you're trying to get the uh, flowers in this case the tassels to fertilize each other because they need Mm -hmm. to fertilize from plant to plant so um yeah you get out there and just wring their necks you know just sort of shake them (laughs) until they (laughs) well i'm i'm thinking next next year we're plant planting them in in containers yeah, because the plants yeah. themselves don't don't don't, don't get that tall. They don't. Yeah. If if yep. I did that, what you're saying is probably quite appropriate. Yeah, that's right. You get out there and you just you have to help nature, and sometimes that happens with your zucchini and you know all those plants where you're just not getting the kind of uh, uh, you know uh, fertilization, uh, you know pollination is I guess what I mean to say. You're not getting the pollination you need. So sometimes you have to give. Uh, nature a hand. Well, that's okay, but I'm, you know, I'm thrilled that they got to where they were, but I wanted to ask you, yep. if if I was lucky enough to get ears, mm-hmm. how, how, how do I get from that stage to popcorn? Yep. And is, is there a simple and safe tool that I can use to get the kernels off the cob? Well, the first thing you have to do is let them dry. And I mean, okay. they have to be dry to the point where the kernel is hard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, there was a number of evenings I sat with the Amish folks uh, out in Pennsylvania, and we actually uh, just sat there and and pushed the kernels off the cobs because uh, oh. they were nice and dry. You know, if they're dry, if they're not dry, what you're going to do is be actually harming the the seeds or the the kernels of corn. So oh. you want to make yeah. sure they're dry, hard on the cob, right? So to the point where they're they're hard. And then as you just take your thumb and kind of push a little bit from the edge, you'll see they'll just pop right out into the bowl oh. or whatever it is that you. You know, you're, oh. you're an apron and it's just that simple. And then if, oh, if you want, great. you can, you can go ahead and, uh, maybe put them in an oven or something, you know, if you have a pilot light on your oven or, uh, since, uh, fewer and fewer ovens have pilot lights anymore, <laughs> it's still a, a good, dry, warm, warmish place to, to put them. Uh, you could put them and let them dry a little bit more, maybe down, uh, you know, next to a furnace or, you know, near, uh, wherever your heat source is. Um, a wood stove. You don't want to actually get them too hot because you don't want to cook them, but you just want them to be good and hard and dry. And then at that point, once you're sure they're good, hard and dry, then you can put them in a uh, put them in a jar and seal it up nice and tight. 
That's wonderful. Okay. I sure hope I'm going to get that far next next summer. But thank thank you and Joel and all all the callers. (laughs) It's the best show on radio. I I learned so much and have such such a fun time. So you all have have a wonderful, safe, and healthy winter. And we'll we'll listen next spring. I'll, I'll drink my coffee to that for sure. Good, healthy, safe winter sounds great. And Marsha, you understand it's, it's people like you that make the show. So we we have a great time and and I enjoy your enthusiasm and and good for you for trying. Even though you don't succeed, you know you, you took notes and you said, okay, well next year I'm going to do this. You didn't get discouraged. Good for you, Marsha. That's right. I I still have have a jar of the seeds for, for next season. So I'm psyched you to go. try again. You get you. That's good. Good for you. Thank you. Okay, yep. thank, thank you very much, Marsh. Always good hearing from you. Yeah, I've never grown popcorn or tried to, but I did uh, grow Indian corn. Oh, oh, that's isn't that wonderful? Yeah, though? I, you know, and I never once tried to. Uh, to uh, to eat it uh, is uh-huh. it is it edible? Uh, yeah, it's uh, usually as a as a um, uh, cornmeal. Oh, oh, I see. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I presume that I presume the critters probably like it just as much. I was wondering whether uh, I would say since, probably since, since it's not a uh, <laughs> since it's not considered a delicacy as a as a vegetable yeah. for uh, for humans. I was wondering whether the uh, critters. <laughs> Liked it as well. I might try to grow some Indian corn. Very beautiful. Oh, you know? isn't it beautiful? Yeah, some can, of the and you can order different seeds that provide yeah. almost a you know a different spectrum of uh, of color. Right, corn. right. Yeah. There's yeah. one that I that I actually bought called Gem, and I never had time to get it in the soil this year. So I I will have them for next year. So many things to uh, <laughs> to make note of, and I, actually probably the best thing is because Peter, you seem so organized all the time, which is <laughs> obviously you would be the author of your wonderful book. Or <laughs> the uh, the owner of such a such a wonderful wonderfully planned and executed garden without taking notes along the line. That's one thing I have noticed on all our programs, all with twenty of them. I have notes all over the place, and then uh, this is the time that I transcribe them and uh, have it have it for next year. Otherwise, I forget virtually everything I should be doing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I know. Well, yeah. that's in my uh, in my garden uh, book. Uh, I have a section called the notes for next year. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in my garden diary, when I ha- where I have my map that I do every year and all that other stuff, uh, I have my notes for next year. And 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 always the first entry in the notes for next year. And you'd think I would get this through my thick skull is plant lettuce every two weeks. I mean, it's so simple. But you know, you get this wonderful lettuce coming up, and you're picking it week after week for you know for a month or two sometimes. And uh, I I. I miss it frequently. I miss it. But uh, this year, my grandson and I, uh, August and I, planted uh, uh, some some lettuces in pots. I have some of those coming along. Ah, excellent. Well, it must be fall, Peter. My uh, my big pot of mums <laughs> are starting to uh, flower. So yeah, yeah. I, 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 I buy them from Clausens and. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I've seen the pots out. Little tight, little tight buds, and then mm-hmm. uh, suddenly uh, we have uh, beautiful mums. A mass, yeah, I know. It's wonderful, wonderful mm-hmm. to see in the uh, in the in the fall, yeah. and our marigolds are starting to to die back. So it's just time to replace them with the mums and, yep. and enjoy them. We put it right on the porch, on the steps going up, and and enjoy enjoy them. And the uh, 
My sunflowers, the tallest one was five feet one inch. I was trying for ten feet. <laughs> so, but they were pretty. I must, I think I used the wrong seeds this year. I don't know. But, well, uh, you know. In. But you're the one that has like 25 heads on one. Uh, <laughs> At I, least. You know what I saw this morning on, on the, uh, the sunflower, which I was absolutely through, yeah. thrilled with is uh, one of the golden finches, you know. Mm-hmm. And they, they were coming up and going at the, the seed heads and, and I, I don't see them very often around, you know, uh, and, and of course I'd have, guess I'd have to ask the bird boys, are they just migrating through or have they been there all along? I don't know. Well, I've had luck in the past with sunflowers that aren't that tall, mm-hmm. but that have a huge head. Yeah. And then you get the, uh, uh not, not the, uh, not, uh, not the goldfinches, but the, uh, 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 the blue jays, oh. and they just hang on the thing and peck and peck and peck at it, getting those seeds out. And there are hundreds of seeds on one of those huge. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, and um, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I have no intention of using them uh, myself or anything. But well, when they reach when they reach that point, then uh, suddenly the, the the blue jays appear, <laughs> and my goodness, they just they just feast on those things. Yeah, interesting to see how uh, yep. how nature works. Now, I've seen the uh, the chipmunks uh, climb up. The, oh yeah, they'll and, climb up anything. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and and try to go, but they're they're the stalks are well. These these are the side branches aren't strong enough to hold them, so they flop over, and the chipmunks sort of have a hard time getting up there and staying up there. But yeah, yeah the chipmunks are just you know, the craziest little creatures. The, uh, my bird feeders are a, a brand. I think it's a, a Squirrel Buster Plus mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the. Is the um, not the, as the <laughs> marketing name for it, but it's yeah. made by one company. And basically what it is is uh, a, a big tube of, uh, that you fill with seed, mm-hmm. but the bottom part is held with a spring. Mm-hmm. So if something heavier than a bird mm-hmm. hops on the thing, mm-hmm. uh, the spring will stretch a little bit and close the ports oh. from which the birds get the seeds. Oh, well, okay, that's that interesting. Yeah. And so, the, so when the squirrels jump on it, mm-hmm. uh, they can't get the seeds. Mm-hmm. And uh, so eventually they give up. Which is interesting. So allows allows the birds to be there uh, at at relative peace. And of course, I can look through the window and watch them. Mm-hmm. But I throw I throw a lot of it falls to the ground, and I throw stuff on the ground for the ground feeder. So the <laughs> squirrels get their thing too. But getting back to the chipmunks, yeah. it's hard to adjust that thing so that it's oh. you know so that a chipmunk will close mm-hmm. the ports, but mm-hmm. a bird wouldn't. In mm-hmm. fact, it's impossible if you want to feed your your cardinals and your heavier birds, mm-hmm. uh, even the and the blue jays. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't adjust the thing. So the squirrels go up there and they just act like birds. They just <laughs> go there and sit at one of the ports and eat to their heart's content. And as we've all been saying, boy, there have been a, a, a big, lot of big, chipmunks this big year. Big chipmunk yeah. Uh, yeah. population this year. Yeah. Yep, yep. And um, they uh, they they seem to uh, see to come and go sort of seasonal. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you have bad years, and this yeah. was definitely one of them. Well, we'll see if they were, we'll see if they all can overwinter and make more chipmunks. <laughs> either either they'll all freeze out this this coming winter, or we'll have two uh, and a half know. billion. My chipmunks have been very well fed. This I, they, year, they so seem I think the, they're going to do just fine. They seem awfully hardy and are ready to plague us again next year. We have another <laughs> caller on. The oh, line. Great. First name in town, please. It's Randy in Waltham. Hey, Randy. How are you doing today, guys? <laughs> oh, nice yeah. day. Okay. great, great. And yourself? Well, great. We I got retired this year, and mm-hmm. I went on a project that I wanted to do, and I built three uh, four by ten raised beds that mm-hmm. are twenty inches high with mm-hmm. a eight inch plank top out of mm-hmm. uh, 
out of uh, Hemlock. Yep. And trust it'll be here for as long as I care. Yep. And filled it with compost uh, garden soil, mm-hmm. and we have had a bounty of product out of it. That's, that's so uh, satisfying, isn't it? It truly is, and mm-hmm. especially being at 20 inches high, you can mm-hmm. sit on the top and don't have to bend <laughs> over and have the blood rush to your head. And <laughs> I, It's great. We did have pests. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, my cucumbers got well taken out by the cucumber beetles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, being the first year to plant in a raised bed in that size, you know, we didn't really have a plan. We just kind of threw some stuff in. And, yeah. Well, there yeah. are things we won't do again. Well, you, you'll, uh, and the, the easiest thing to do is right from the beginning, if you spray for the cucumber beetle, you know, yeah. I, I know it seems sort of a, a pain in the neck, but the other thing you can do is pick them. Pick them right off. They're easy to spot, and you just tap them into a cup uh, with a little soapy water in it, and and that will help a lot. Well, I didn't want to be like a bird out there trying to do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we've been, I I pla- or we planted some uh, miniature eggplants. Mm-hmm. Those were really great. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, and then um, well, some bush tomatoes that mm-hmm. yep. came in and didn't overtake everything yeah that's but great. uh in our regular garden space i threw a whole pickup load of compost yeah from down at uh vermont ag products and, yep. and boy our, we had tomatoes this year i can't even describe it, it was They're, a super tomato year no question it about was it. a super tomato year mm-hmm. other than the tomato horn beetles mm-hmm. or the worms we did really well um my wife's squash uh, Kathy called in mm-hmm. at one time and asked about it. Pretty much got wiped out, I think, by that by the, uh, worm in the base. Yeah, that's the squash but bug, actually. The squash bug, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And but we do have some butternut squash mm-hmm. there. Um, should we pick those or mm-hmm. leave them yep. out? Well, when you see them start to turn tan, uh, well, with butternut, right? Okay. When they turn tan, uh, that's time to go ahead and pick them. Uh, My wife always uh, washes them with just a real mild Clorox uh, uh, mixture, and you could use baking soda or anything. You're just trying to wash all the the bacteria and fungus off of the skins so that they, you know, they tend to store a lot better over time. Okay. And, uh, and so yeah, just a cool place. It doesn't have to be as cold as a cold cellar. You can, you know, uh, a spare bedroom, uh, you know, a closet that's kind of cool, uh, you know, any one of those things. And they store so great. Freeze them up and freeze them, I guess. You could do that too. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're, yeah. Yep. They would do a Well, I'm into 15 quarts right now of tomato. Uh, sauce, mm. it's kind of a mm. rustic sauce. Mm-hmm. And I gotta tell you, the easiest thing is I I have the tomatoes. Mm-hmm. I take the knife and take the seed pockets out. Yeah, I'll put down some olive oil on foil on a roasting pan. Yeah, I, we've got fresh basil. I'll I'll mince up some fresh basil and then put some uh, um, minced garlic on it. Sure, some dried oregano. Yeah. Throw it in the oven for a half hour, yeah, and let them cool off, and then 
you can pick the skins right off. Yeah, sure sounds and great. And then use uh, a potato masher, uh-huh. and it breaks it up, and it's, I freeze it in, well, a quart and a quart bag. And sure. We've got 15 right now. Yeah, wow. that's like a marinara. What a great way to go. I like that. Yeah. It, it's so flavorful. Oh, and you can use some red pepper in it to sure. make some spicy batches. But <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to, and we, we managed to cop a, a five cubic foot freezer. Yeah. <laughs> Earlier in this year, and we're utilizing that for oh, our, good. the raised bed gardens oh. and the bounty we're getting out of our other. But there you go. We enjoy your show. Yeah. And well. We're going to go at it. A little more next year with a, a plan, like you say. <laughs> Randy, that's great. What good news, and thanks for the recipe. That was That's a delightful recipe. I like that. It's the easiest one going, believe yeah, me. Yeah, it's just like a marinara sauce, you yep. know. It's just uh, kind of a, well, some people would call a rustic sauce, but, yep. you know, it sounds delicious to me. Well, that's knocking sure. the seed the seed pockets out mm-hmm. was, yeah. was the big success mm-hmm. prior to that. My first batch didn't. Yeah, that that went out the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My sister-in-law insists that you that you take the seeds out because they make the sauce a little bit bitter. But yeah. you know, uh, this uh, there are more recipes than you can shake a stick at. But uh, yeah. this one is is certainly good. I like that. Thanks, Randy. Yeah, mint, minced garlic and mm. fresh basil mm-hmm. and dried oregano and the dried oregano. Yeah. Yeah, you don't need any salt. Or <laughs> it sounds super. And then just right from there, you let it cool and you bag it up and freeze it. Yep. Mm. In, in a quart freezer bag. In, quart freezer yeah. bag, yeah. Yep. yep. And that's a, just about do a meal for you, wouldn't it? You just yep. take that out and and uh, let it thaw out and warm it up. Yep. And use your own, use it the way you would. Out of a jar. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Oh, yeah, you're very welcome, and thank yep. you. I appreciate the, that. I'm going to have to go home and give that one a try. <laughs> There you go. Well, throw the olive oil down in the bottom of the pan. Okay. All right. You, that gives you the extra flavor there, too. Mm, sound better every minute. <laughs> Stay well. Yeah, take care. Have, Have a good winter. winter. We'll talk to you in, in uh, April. You got it. Bye-bye. Okay. Have, have me salivating here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Joel, I think it's time for us to go and eat. Oh, right. Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 when I make the when I make the sauce, or, you know, I used to make a ton of sauce when I had all the tomatoes mm-hmm. in the garden planted. I we leave the seeds and even the skins on. You know, yeah. I mean, it just depends. Yeah. I, 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 it was my neighbors in New York, Italian families, and yeah. they had they had tomato plants in the front yard, the backyard. <laughs> it was just tradition, <laughs> and I would follow their recipe. They threw, they threw the whole whole tomato, the whole tomato, you know, right? Yeah, mostly yeah. mostly Roma tomatoes. Yeah, well, the delicious yeah and the roman tomato is a meter potato yeah. than your than your big ones yeah. and, and so they don't have as many seeds so maybe that was yeah. the trick is a, the a tomato with fewer seeds and more meat <laughs> but um yeah that that uh, my my wife uses the, that that fully mill you know the one that uh you know separates all that stuff but the of course freezing them first and just slipping the skins off that's a big step right there yeah 
And then we can make salsa or tomato sauce or, you know, whatever. I so wish that uh, back when, when I was a teenager, I would just write down some of their their recipes. <laughs> the, the, the uh, you know, when I was 14, the, the, uh, uh, the senior generation of my Italian neighbors on all sides, um, you know, the women in their 60s and 70s, they'd even go down to the Bronx River Parkway and, a me- and the median and pick off, pick the dandelions and wonder what the oh, heck yeah. they did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one of them said, you're, you, you are old enough for you. Take a taste of this. <laughs> and it was the dandelion wine. I said, oh, my, maron. <laughs> so that's what they, they made dandelion wine and, and they grew their own tomatoes. And this is in a fairly, uh, residential area. You oh, know? sure. Yeah. You yeah. Know, they, uh, absolutely nothing. Tr- terrific old world tradition. So, yeah. Yeah. I love finding old cookbooks too, you know. <laughs> Yep. Uh, try something that perhaps is not uh, as modern flavored as it might be, and yeah. uh, uh, you find some great, great information and well, wonderful recipes. One of my neighbors is uh, Maria Lisa Colta, who is, uh, you know, one of the, the foodies yeah. here. Who, uh, and uh, she reviews tons of books, and then you, during the fall foliage, she would put them out and, you know, sell them off or. You know, you get them for a couple bucks, and I, I've got one that I've had for so many years that I got there that it's dog-eared, and I stuff all my recipes in that one book. I, I do the same thing. That, I, have, that, I have a one one recipe book <laughs> that I that I that all my single-page recipes are also stuck in as well. So it's about three times as fat. Yeah, three times. Yeah. Well, I I have a second book that's the uh, the Horn of the Moon cookbook. Oh, oh that's tough. That, that's yeah, that is a, a, a Bible unto itself. You got a caller there? Yes. Yeah, we do. Um, your first name in town, please. It's Evan from Montpelier. Hey, Evan. <laughs> how hey, are how you today? Doing? Oh, good, oh, good. Good. Did, did you say that was the uh, tomato hornworm cookbook? Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to debone it first. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I got a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, me, I guess it means you have a healthy ecosystem there. I guess. <laughs> Thank God for the. Uh, Wasps that lay eggs all over them. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least uh, the the good part about the tomato hornworm is he usually hangs out right where you can see him. Now, the real sneaky guy is is the snail that sneaks up into inside your cabbage. You know, at the base of your cabbage and lays about you know forty eggs, and you get you open them up, and there's a whole family of slugs in the in the bottom of your cabbage. Now, that's a sneaky. Sneaky test. Wow. Unfamiliar. <laughs> Don't grow cabbage, but wow. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we like it. Uh, like I learned something too. about them. You know, when I first saw what I thought was a caterpillar, I mean a moth that looked like a hummingbird, I, yes. I did a Google on it. Yep. And it said hummingbird moth. <laughs> well, after talking to you a few few weeks ago <laughs> and, and maybe insulting somebody who said, oh, well, it's the, you know, the hummingbird moth that's doing in the tomatoes mm-hmm. there there are like a lot of different kinds of hummingbird moss mm-hmm. so there's ones that like to lay their stuff on um oh um not, you know not just tomatoes but something else flocks and uh huh. bee bomb and, mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. they're different i don't know what they look like i mean we don't go looking for tomato horn or no yeah. No, flocks hornworm. It's, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, so. uh, that's uh, that's um, 
reminds me of a friend of mine uh, in East Montpelier who's, who uh, posted on Facebook and said that he grew a butterfly garden this year. And he uh, focused on the uh, milkweed. And he posted a picture of a great big caterpillar, probably, again, four inches long like the hornworm. But he was for one of the... Um, you know, one of the rare butterflies, like the monarch, uh, that uh, and he so he was pretty pleased to see that uh, that big old worm there. So, hey, it was, sometimes a worm is you know, big old caterpillar is a, is a good sight, and uh, I was kind of impressed with that because he was striped. He was uh, green and uh, white and black stripes all the way around, not no, no, not along the body, but around, around, around the body. So. He, so your friend had a, an increase in the number of monarchs in his backyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just oh, just cool. from planting the. Uh, I guess he just did a whole bed that he let go to uh, and planted and seeded some milkweed. And I thought, well, that's that's a that's a generous. That's sort of like Joel, right? <laughs> <laughs> Joel, this is another beast you can feed. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, the real the real hummingbirds, uh, I think, have have left four points south. Mm. I saw my last hummingbird, and usually they they fight territorially. We talked yep. about this once. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw them Monday and Tuesday, and then what? Today's Saturday. I haven't seen None. haven't seen one since. So I think yeah, they, they finally took yeah. they took off. Well, yeah. They're still at my house. Oh, mm. okay. <laughs> but I'm, I'm further south, so they didn't have a. Well, oh, maybe their first pit stop. You know, you know, two left front tires and uh, a splash of gasoline, and off they go. So off they go. Yeah. <laughs> Another sip from a feeder, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, not that I don't have a lot of other questions. I had meant to do this call last week, but I got a phone call right before, and then you guys went off like uh, clockwork. I- Heaven forbid. (laughs) (laughs) How dare we? (laughs) I wanted to start the campaign. Everybody should call in and say, why were you stopping the show so early? (laughs) That'd be fine. I'm I'm more than willing. Yeah, well, I wanted to double check that you'd be willing. So if you are, (laughs) then we should get a a phone campaign or writing campaign or whatever. I can't imagine what they're going to do at this hour next week that's going to be entertaining. <laughs> well, Joe will fill it, it, it up. It'll be, a sup- music. It, it'll be whatever they tell me to do here. You know. <laughs> They'll probably sneak in ESPN Sports or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little boring. And I like sports, but I, you know. Well, you know, if I bring my guitar and start singing, then they might quickly bring back the gardening show or anything for that matter. <laughs> you could always just threaten. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, hey, Ken, we're thinking about <laughs> having a shindig here. <laughs> is, is, uh, Joel, is Lee the program director now? Yeah, Lee uh, Lee is, correct. Yeah. So I should pick on him. Yes, yes. You know, the, the program director is the guy that uh, listens to Ken when Ken says, I want it done this way. Say, oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> but uh, get the, get the lead and he'll pass it on to the big guy, you know. So, at any rate, you know, it is a, they, they have a, a sale, in other words, in order to pay the bills and everything, they have a, a sales package that goes for 20, uh, 20 programs and, Gosh, I wish they had, you know, we all wish that it had been 25 or 30 programs in, <laughs> in the package, but that's that's not my area of, of expertise. So, um, Well, you know, like good gardeners, we will take what we get yeah, and right. enjoy it <laughs> thoroughly. And uh, that's one thing that I, that I can say is I'm very grateful for all the calls, Evan included and everybody else. 
that not only just calls in but listens, and I, I appreciate that. And and be sure to just mention it to the sponsors how much you you like the program, yeah. just so they get a little feedback and they know where to put their yeah. And interest maybe they'll but that will interest them them in uh, in doing additional garden programs mm-hmm. and other you know mm-hmm. or extending the the season from um, from more than twenty programs. So, well, uh, I, I was mentioning that we could do a, a show every maybe once yeah. a month or something because uh, it it you know for the sponsors you know you could uh, you could easily do the indoor gardening and that would keep people. Um, in the stores because, uh, you know, that's what... Um yeah, I might uh, remind people, Peter mentioned at the beginning, but uh, being somewhat a modest guy, um, d- did not emphasize it to the level that I would. His book, Year-Round Indoor Salad Gardening, keeps the garden going all year long. And there are a lot of things that can go wrong when you do this indoor gardening. And my advice is, Follow follow Peter's instructions because I'm sure you've tried every different option and uh, found out what works and what doesn't work and what you what you find in year round indoor salad gardening uh, uh, published by Chelsea uh, Chelsea Green is is how to do it and uh, if you follow the directions it's real simple and my goodness you've got salad all year. <laughs> well, uh, my motto in the book and that I say in my classes all the time: Well, you can't mess this up because you can do a lot of things wrong and still come up with a crop. And and there's a, a picture in the book that I just absolutely love, and it's uh, my my youngest son Jake, who helped me a lot with the you know over the years when I was developing it and doing it, and he he um, he was helping me move some from downstairs uh, in the bookshelf to upstairs and the on the shelf in front of the you know sun. And one of them tipped over, and it went, you know, and, and fell down on the on the brick right in, right behind the wood stove. And he's a good kid. He went and got the the uh, dustpan and the and the broom, and he swept it up. Four days later, I found the dustpan with peas growing <laughs> <laughs> behind the wood stove. He sort of forgot to do anything with it afterwards. Yeah. But I say, you know, you can throw these things on the ground and sweep them into a dustpan, and they will still grow. So <laughs> yeah, can, it's very hard to mess it up. Yeah, it reminds me of the year that uh, I, I, I nurtured and, and, you know, and, and babied all my vine crops and mm-hmm. things were just not nearly as good, but uh, across the across the back uh, backyard, coming out of the compost pile, were the best pumpkins <laughs> and <laughs> the biggest pumpkins and the best cucumbers that I had, just coming out of the compost pile. So, Isn't so, that the way? Yeah, so it, it, it happens that way sometimes. That's right. <laughs> uh, quick question for you, Peter. Uh, yeah. When when you plant your spinach in October, do you mulch that? Uh, I don't usually. Okay. You can. You can mulch it, but the only thing is you have to be careful. If it's a really thick mulch, you'll have to sort of thin it out when, when April comes because uh, right. that sun and warming the soil is what, what stimulates the growth. Yeah, that's what cuts down on my, you know, I, I lay down all my lettuce seeds that mm-hmm. I've let grow. Yeah. And then I've made the mistake of putting mulch on it, so I only got two or three volunteers. <laughs> this last year, I didn't get the mulch because of the snow we had in November, mm-hmm. and I got like two square feet of that's it. Yeah, yeah, and and it's amazing. 
you know, they say that there are thousands of weed seeds in any square foot of, of uh, soil and that when you turn the soil, that sort of stimulates them and so you'll have uh, weeds growing up from the soil. So you think that those weed seeds have been in the ground for a very, very long time. And that's that what you're doing is really part of the natural process of uh, plants planting their seeds in the fall for spring growth. You're you're just doing something something that's completely natural. Yeah. And it's to your benefit. And even things like oh, oh like we mentioned arugula and lettuces, radishes, all of those things you can do. I've done all of them that way, and they they work very well. And it's some of the best you'll you'll have all season. You know, there are interesting things. I, I I read an article, and they were looking at the commercially sold uh, little bags of seeds that mm-hmm. we that you know you buy for ninety eight cents, and uh, and they were they they had done a I guess it was a couple of uh, master's degree theses that the students had done in terms of germination rates of yeah. seeds. That if it's you know if it's packed for twenty twenty, uh, you'd get ninety percent germination. But if mm-hmm. you find one that was packed for in like nineteen eighty nine, mm-hmm. you'd get like thirty percent mm-hmm. germination. And then. Then they talked about uh, situations where in the pyramids in Egypt they would find <laughs> 2,000-year-old seeds, and some of them would germinate. Some of them would yeah, germinate. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty amazing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 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 That's, hey, another, uh, another oddball question. When you use your air fryer, and you've probably done a lot of different things with it, does mm-hmm. it get extremely hot? Not on the outside, no. I mean, the inside, it's a really hot, like 400-degree air blowing around on the inside. Um, you know, but if you, if you touch the outside, it's, it's not, you know, it's not really, really hot. Um, the tray inside, there's a tray that goes inside. Now that gets real hot, but there's a handle on the one that I have. And we're talking about the drip tray? Uh, no, mine actually has a tray, um, uh, what'd you say? Um, it's like a, um, yeah, it's a tray that goes inside the whole thing, and there's a paddle that goes around and around in the inside and keeps stirring all the all the veggies that are in there, or meat uh, or whatever. Have you had yours for a while? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a T-Fal, T-F-A-L, and uh, we've replaced the paddle a couple of times, and, oh, you know, we'll probably have to replace the whole thing at some point, but it's something we probably used um, three or four times a week, you know. We use it a lot. Uh, I just did, uh, I had some, you know, some of the big zucchinis that were about uh, maybe 18 inches long. I cut those into four inch sections and then I cut those into about half inch pieces. I put those in the air fryer uh, with a little olive oil, salt and pepper, and uh, they usually cook for anywhere between 15 and 25 minutes, somewhere in that, depending on how tough the skin is. And, um, when was it? it? Was like Wednesday night. My wife was making something, and she had more tofu than she wanted. She said, "Well, here, put this in with that bikini." So I, I did my usual mixture with the tofu, was the the tofu spice that I use. Threw that in there, and uh, she called me, called me the next day because we had it. We saved it for lunch, and she said, "Oh my God, this is so good! You have to save the recipe. This is gourmet." <laughs> So, yeah, we use the air fryer for that. And then uh, 
you know, for uh, w- one of the things we both really enjoy is the new potatoes. We're putting those in there and doing them with a little little oil and a little salt, a little pepper, and sometimes a little chili pepper too. So um, that's good stuff. And then, of course, I'd do my tofu in there. And, oh, boy, what else? Oh, mushrooms. Mushrooms are really great in the air fryer. So, yeah, we use that a fair amount. Well, good. No, I asked because we have them, but we, I haven't plugged it in yet because you read the <laughs> safeguards and all the rest of it, and it's just like, wow. And then dedicated mm-hmm. uh, line, you know, like mm-hmm. a straight, like you're putting in a, a stove, an oven, you know, or something. Right. So it's, it's mm-hmm. got to go to a dedicated line so you don't wow. fuse this all day or something. Wow, I, I so, guess I, I forgot know. to read that. <laughs> uh, well, maybe you should. Maybe yours is, is more uh, benevolent. Or something. <laughs> well, it's not very big. I mean, it's only, well, maybe it's a foot around, but it's it's not huge or anything. Oh, okay. I can do about uh, two pounds of potatoes in there, you know. But no, that, that works out good. would have something to do with it, too. <laughs> oh, here's a neat one, though, I got before, and I'm sure, oh, I'm really doing good today. Mm-hmm. Got you a lot of extra time. Um <laughs> Uh, I got the Cade Farm newsletter, and there was a little tip about um, taking basil and and then you dipping it in olive oil and then putting it in a plastic bag and freezing it. Oh yeah! And so you could just mm-hmm. you know, take you break off a, a chip of yep yep some basil to put into. That's your, a great whatever. idea. That's a yeah. great idea. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was sort of like what Joel had been saying earlier about, I forget now. But. The tomatoes, yeah. taking a frozen yeah. tomato yeah. and put it yeah. in. You could put your frozen basil leaf yep. right in there. Yep, so that was a kind of a neat that's thing. A, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah I, I, like I, 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 I dry my basil. In You're going to have to write that one down, buddy. Yep. <laughs> part, all part of the plan. Well, like I said, all these are a part of the plan. The plan is to still be alive next year. You know? At this point, that's A, and then B is all these different things. But um, you know, well, it sounds pretty straight ahead and simple. You know, even I could handle it. <laughs> that's the way we like it. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you can't mess this one up. Yeah. <laughs> Freeze the basil. Dip it in. Uh, let's see. So we did. did Dip in olive oil. Okay. All right. Good. And then you just freeze it. Yep. You know, I guess you just can put a whole bunch in, and then you've got All you have this to do layer is, of yeah. frozen, snap it off, here's my basil, throw it in the pot. You know? yeah, one, of my, one of my daughters uh, did some of the planting in my in my garden, and she you know she went to Clawson's and got the, got the plants, and she got four to four different kinds of basil, including the dark purple basil. I've oh, never yeah. had that before. Yeah, but yeah. it all it all tastes, tastes like, basil. like basil. Some yeah. of it's more ornamental than mm-hmm. others. So mm-hmm. I've got all this basil. I'm gonna I'm gonna try that, including the purple basil yeah, before it, great. before yeah. it goes by. Now, yeah. is this the daughter that likes the purple beans too? Yeah, both are both daughters. <laughs> both daughters love the purple, and and and, that, and now it's the six year old granddaughter that likes the purple beans. Oh, so, so there's a big purple. The, there's the a tr- big. <laughs> <laughs> the big purple, uh, and they had, uh, there was, there was a, a purple, um, what, what, what's the vegetable I'm thinking of? A cauliflower. Oh, really? As well, there's a purple cauliflower, yeah. And purple tomatoes. And, oh, of but uh, the thing with the purple beans uh, is that uh, once you, once you uh, steam them, they turn green mm-hmm. before your, mm-hmm. yeah, before your eyes. So that's, that's quite amazing. <laughs> we had a lot of yellow tomatoes this year, as my as the same daughter brought uh, bought every different variety she saw of the 
heritage tomatoes yeah. that Clawson has. And doggone, were those yellow tomatoes delicious. Mm-hmm. A little different than, uh, you know, the deep red tomatoes, yeah. but, um, you know, yeah. always something to, always something to explore and discover. It was something that I never would do. I just go with my favorite blight resistant. <laughs> remember, remember, remember when we were dealing with that when uh-huh. Ed was on the, Ed was hosting the program. Then, yes. we, we were looking for. I'm sure it'll be back around at some point. We were, yeah. <laughs> the, one of the fellas at the Big E, uh, at the New Hampshire, uh, and it was like the New Hampshire Community Garden Club or something. He, to- he, he told the story of, of a, uh, of a fellow that planted 26 different varieties of tomatoes and 25 of them went down to the blight and mm-hmm. one didn't. Mm-hmm. And so he had the seeds there, but it was, uh, from a, uh, a, a lady that had brought them from Germany. Oh, wow. And he, given the year, we, you know, we thought she was, she had been gone and we called her house to see if uh, the telephone number was there. And she was there at age 102. Oh, no. <laughs> and said wow. that these tomatoes were bought from, from Germany. And I planted them that year, and but, of course, the next year there was no blight at all, so they all came up. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I have my notes somewhere, but, uh, if, uh, I, you know, I should have been planting them every year. You That's know, right. As, as, a, as sort of a prophylactic, mm-hmm. guy, you know, yeah, yeah. A protection against the, against the blight. But... Boy, I tell you, so many different things and so many different, uh, uh, ideas and things to learn. But, uh, there, there are, and all during this time, the Cornell labs were researching blight resistant tomatoes. Oh, you see. And, it. and yeah. they found a whole bunch of them, but the first, but the, the, the ones that they, uh, you know, genetically, uh, you know, modified or not modified, but genetically determined, uh, or uh, discovered that were blight resistant were far from the tastiest tomatoes. Mm-hmm. It was okay. A, you got the blight resistant ones, but they would never become popular because they weren't <laughs> nearly as tasty. And that's when I stopped following the research. So I don't know what the, what they've come up with, but right. knock on wood, we haven't had that, uh, we haven't well, had the blight uh, since, at least, at least not at that level. Mm-hmm. And, um, but oddly enough, uh, the cherry tomatoes seem to be very blight resistant, oh, they all, uh, yeah. sort of naturally. Yep. And, um, I had a problems with the, um, that uh, anthracnose, the 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 black spots on the top oh. of oh. my tomatoes this yep. year, not the not the blossom end rot. Yeah, and um, so I ended up having to spray. But the cherry tomatoes, not a sign. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I eat them like candy in the garden. There's yep. still still some coming up. Still some green ones. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we uh, we thank you very much. We have we have Trudy very patiently. Oh, okay. oh I, you know, you should have told me to be quiet a long time ago. And I hope you have signed Clausens up for uh, an advertising. Uh, <laughs> yes, oh, they, they are among they are among our advertisers, and <laughs> I, um, I I looked at their uh, ad uh, online. Anyway, they've got they've got fifty percent off on a whole bunch of things. So, <laughs> there, but I and I'm sure going through our all of our sponsors here is uh, a lot of the seasonal items are on on sale. So. All kinds of well, uh, Evan. Thanks for the call, and we'll oh, see well, you great. see you around uh, in next April. Thank you. I, you know, I'll have so many questions. I might have to start emailing you. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> c- call under a pseudonym. Put on a phony accent and call <laughs> us. You know. <laughs> okay. I'll call you, Joel, and you can patch me into him next week. There I'm we right. go. Sounds good. <laughs> okay. Right, thank thanks. you so much, Evan. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we we thank you, Trudy, for being patient. Trudy uh, and Braintree. Hey, Trudy. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. 
I have a question about spring. What okay. should, should I add anything to my raised beds, and what should I add in the spring? Uh, my my formula is uh, in a four by four bed. That's sixteen square feet. Uh-huh. And so this comes out to basically a tablespoon per square foot is a is a cup of lime, a cup of fertilizer, just a good uh, all around uh, organic fertilizer like uh, ProGrow. Uh-huh. Um, one cup of sea kelp meal. If you if you can find a, a good a rock powder like an azomite, that's a. Find that this year. Yeah, the azomite the, they were a little slow, and I'll have to remind them next year to to make sure they have more on hand. And uh, let's see, if you're growing anything like uh, the. Um, your garlic, then uh, the the bone meal is a cup of bone meal is real good for for those guys. Should I do that this fall when I plant it? Yeah, if you're if you're planting this fall, put the bone meal in there for okay. uh, f- for your garlics. Okay, one cup of it, all of this. Yep, one cup each. Okay, lime, pro grow, azomite, mm-hmm. sea kelp, and mm-hmm. bone meal. Mm-hmm. Yep, you got it. Okay. And that, um, that's a good all-around... Um, and you do that now, Peter? or You can do yeah, it now, yeah. yes. Oh, you should do it now. Or you can do it in the spring. You can do it okay. now. But the spring is fine. You've got plenty of time for it to, to break down. But the bone meal I should do now for the mm-hmm. garlic. For the garlic, yeah. Okay. Um, I heard you a couple of weeks ago talking about um, uh, uh, medium vermiculite. Yeah. Which would hold more moisture. Uh, just vermiculite in general, uh, they, they, re- you know, um, uh, what I've heard as a recommendation is the coarse, but if you can't find the coarse, use the medium. Either one will work fine in holding moisture, which, which is... I don't know what amazing. it was I got. I got it at Agway. Yeah, probably medium. That's the most common. You usually have to, coarse one, you usually have to order special. They didn't seem to hold moisture very well this year. Uh, well, it was a, it was a very, very hot year. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, from, actually from about July 15th on, you needed to plant, you needed to water twice a week yeah. anyway. Oh, yeah. So it's, um, uh, did you find that you your plants were wilting or drying out? Or? No, it's just that it seemed really dry. I did water pretty regularly. You did, yeah. Um, so when you water, how do you water? How do you measure what you're putting in? I just put the shower on my hose and uh-huh. water it until it stopped keeping in. So here's a, here's a hint, all right, because what you want is about um, an inch, okay, an inch of water. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I um, an inch of water on a four by four bed is about a five gallon bucket, so it's mm-hmm. actually a fair amount of water. Yeah. So what I do with my hose, I have a particular one that I use the shower, you know, setting on the right. on the hose, and I'll I'll uh, get out my uh, my watch and I'll time it. How long does it take to fill up that five gallon bucket? Uh-huh. So if it takes, and, and generally for me with the shower setting, it takes about um, a minute, about 60 seconds to, to fill that up. So that when you're watering in a, you know, 16 square feet, you mm-hmm. you know you have to stay on it for at least a minute to get a whole, you know, uh, yeah. a five-gallon bucket worth of water on there. Yeah. 
think I probably do more than that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. And then the second thing is, of course, is the the finger test where you just stick your finger down in and you make sure that it's moist yeah. all the way down to the roots. You know, say six yeah. inches deep. Yeah. And I've, uh, got biggest, yeah. <laughs> I've got the biggest peppers I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it sounds like you watered just fine. <laughs> <laughs> I have to look at that and he said, where'd you get that? <laughs> 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 Isn't that satisfying, though? Isn't that a great feeling? <laughs> yeah, peppers, I think, are a good index of how you've been watering. <laughs> it always seems to me that uh, in a year in which they're steadying, there's been steady water, either by mm-hmm. nature or mm-hmm. me being on top of it, that two things, the peppers are all good-sized and the tomatoes aren't splitting, which I think the tomatoes mm-hmm. tend to split more if uh, you have uneven yeah. watering. Uneven, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. My tomatoes did split this year, and they started to rot before they ripened. Oh, that's so frustrating. And, and I, w- I watered, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, the rot before they're ripening, it, it, you may have had the same problem I did, is with that uh, the atherachnos, uh, you know, the, there's a, a bacterial or Actually, I don't know whether it's bacterial, viral, but it's one or the other. It it rots the top of the tomato, not the bottom. It's not the blossom end rot. Yeah, but mine had brown spots, started brown spots yeah, on them. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's the, the same thing. Um, and uh, so when you see that, you, you need to spray with the copper. And that's I finally got smartened up a little bit and realized, huh, that that's what that is. And it, oh, okay. it really... Uh, it really Sets the tomato back. Well, you get these these tomatoes that are nice size, but then they start to rot from the top down, which mm-hmm. and and that's what that is. Oh, I'll remember that next year, maybe. Yeah, and you can you don't have to necessarily use the copper. You can use like a, a compost tea or a baking soda or you know anything that that will um, change the pH so that the bacteria doesn't won't land and and feast. Okay. Um, and if you've if you've got it, you want to make sure you clean up those tomatoes and and compost them out separately from your compost yeah. bin. Yeah, I don't usually put them into the compost. Yeah, and uh, and with sure you know the the tomatoes can be one of your worst weeds. I've I've had years when I've got tomato seeds coming up all over the garden. <laughs> <laughs> I've kept them pretty well picked, so I shouldn't have too many. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, congratulations on your on your fine peppers. I'm envious. That sounds great. <laughs> I can't get the summer squash and the zucchini to stop grow and stop producing. <laughs> well, that, that's an easy problem to take care of. I just eat them. <laughs> well, like, two people can only eat so much, and I've given away bushels of string beans and zucchini this year. <laughs> well, that's nice. That's nice. Uh, you give them away to your friends, or to? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, got, I started running out of friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would think that would uh, they would uh, actually be coming, stopping over more often to see what you got. <laughs> yeah. I'm almost to the point of putting some free down beside the road this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, don't forget, it's, it's a lot of times the, the food shelf, and I don't know if you have one locally, will we'll take yeah. those things, and they're yeah. grateful for them. So. Yeah. Or the senior center. The senior yeah. center, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, there, there's nothing like the, the fresh veggies for for places like that, and they're, and they're right. grateful for them, too. So. I may have to do that with some string beans here in a day or so. Yeah, yeah. I, they're still blooming, the crazy things. Isn't that great? <laughs> now, are they pole or are they bush beans? No, just, 
bush beans. Bush beans, huh? Now, my bush beans, uh, they all came at once, and they were all done. And, well, uh, mine all came at once, but they're still still doing it. Oh, is that right? <laughs> I've got 20 quarts cans, plus the bags full I've given away. <laughs> well, that's great. What's the variety? Do you remember? Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. I was just looking at my seeds because I was looking for spinach. We all want to know what, what variety just keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> they just, just, I know, I've got the yellow, one, the yellow ones and some green ones. They've both uh, yeah. been really prolific. When I, when I did my uh, dilly beans, uh, what I did was I took the yellow ones and I put them on the outside uh-huh. around so that every, every jar of dilly beans had mostly green but yellow stripes every you oh. know every inch or so so That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah it was pretty i you know it was, <laughs> and I, I had a lot more green than i did yellow ones and and then i found out well the purple ones i was putting those in too but then then they of course just turned green right so so i i focused on the yellow ones <laughs> Well, Trudy, uh, you look that up and let us know in April. I'll be, I'll have to, have to make a note here to, to find out what kind of beans you were planting. I'm going to put together four more beds this year for next year. All right. Excellent. That's great. Good to hear. All right. Thank well, you. All right. Thank you for calling. Well, I think we well, set a record, Joe, Peter. I think we have set a record. <laughs> <laughs> the fastest hour and a half on radio. <laughs> well, thank you to everyone. That's uh, my final word. Is I just uh, so appreciate you giving the call in, and I enjoy this thoroughly. And I'm glad you enjoy it, too. And uh, we'll see you next year in the garden. In the Garden has been brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By V's Flower and Garden Shop, Main Street, Waitsfield. Broughton's Big Country Hardware, your authorized Cub Cadet dealer in Bridport. Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, Main Street in Colchester. By your locally owned Montpelier Agway, East Montpelier Road. Thomas Farm and Garden, right there on the Barry Montpelier Road. Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By PNR Lumber, family-owned lumber mill with lumber, mulch, and compost. All you need for all your projects. PNR Lumber, Route 15 in Wilkett. And by the Willie Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. In the Garden, we will see you next year in the Garden. Mother.